Well, good morning, everybody. It is really good to see you all here this morning. My name is Tim Park. I serve as our lead pastor. If this is your first time here, a very special welcome to our church. Now, I'm excited to introduce our guest speakers for this morning. Tom and Gail Shook serve with Reach Global, which is a ministry within our association, which is the Evangelical Free Church of America. And for 17 years, from 1992 to 2009, Tom and Gail served in Outer Mongolia, and they focus their efforts on community development as well as church planting. And then from 2009 to 2015, they served with the Asia Division lead team, and they provided leadership to all the leaders in greater Asia. And then from 2015 to 2019, they focused their efforts on bringing the gospel to North Korea. And then in 2019, God called them to their current ministry. And in 2019, they began a new ministry called His Refuge. And through His Refuge, Tom and Gail, they bring the gospel to immigrants and to refugees right here in our local communities as well as around the world. We're just so thankful for the Shooks. Tom and Gail have three grown children, and their pride and joy is that they are grandparents of 12, I'm sorry, 11 grandchildren. So 11 grandchildren. Maybe they might be a 12th one. Maybe. You never know. So they are grandparents of, tw- uh, I keep saying that, 11 grandchildren. And uh, this morning, Tom and Gail are going to share an important message with us. It's entitled, Making Known the Unknown God. Rethinking and refreshing. Making known the unknown God. Rethinking and refreshing. And so, would you join me in giving a very warm welcome to Tom and Gail Shook. I've actually been talking to my kids. Don't we want 12, like a dozen? Doesn't that sound good? But no takers so far. That'll be fine. I know. Yeah, good. So good morning, everyone. We're, um, we're happy to be here with you this morning. And um, it's always good to come to Di- back to Diamond Bar and to be uh, with you and to have the opportunity to share what the Lord's doing in our lives. And as you know, we, <clears throat> we left the work in North Korea um, back in 2019 when it kind of all evaporated. And we came back to the States and we're trying to figure out, okay, Lord, what do you want us to do now? And, um, and then we had the opportunity to go to on, a, on a summer team trip and um, became acquainted with what's happening in terms of the refugee crisis uh, globally, what's going on. And so we started a ministry that's called His Refuge, like Tim said. Basically, there's cards in the back if you want them, but basically there's four things that we do. Seeking Refuge is a prayer event every uh, month. So the last Monday of each month, come down and join us in Santa Ana sometime. Experiencing Refuge is we take summer teams and different uh, ministry teams overseas into refugee camps to experience uh, what it's like to be a refugee and how we can support and help them. Being Refuge uh, is the third thing we do, and that's just stuff. What are we doing right here, right now, right in our own communities? How are we serving the refugee and the immigrant community? And then advocating Refuge is something we do in terms of just communicating the, the, um, the, the situation about refugees and immigrants in churches around the U.S. 
I think it was kind of amazing. At least it, for us, it was real confirmation of God's hand because uh, when God called us back to the States, we didn't want to come. Sorry. But uh, we really um, have a heart uh, for the hermit kingdom and um, just continue to pray uh, mm -hmm. for North Korea and the openness there. But one of the things that happened when we were living on the border of China and North Korea was um, there was a lot of military tension going on and we started thinking, oh, this is the time it's gonna open up, this is awesome. There might be war, so we really need to be thinking about refugees. And that's when it first came into our mind. And so then in, uh, while we were in China, we said, hey, we should get into a camp sometime to see what this experience is like so we know how to prepare. So uh, probably within two months of coming back in 2019, we were invited to go with a college group to the island of Lesvos in Greece to work inside a refugee camp. And that really just pierced our hearts. Um, it's one thing to hear something, it's another thing to see it, and um, uh, came back and uh, began to learn just about what is happening um, in 2019, but now even more so in 2023. Right. So, <clears throat> when you think about this whole refugee crisis, and and I know that you know all of us have been touched by it at, at some level or another. We know people, or or uh, we've heard about it. But there's 103 million now refugees that are on the move globally, right? So when we started this in 2000 or in um, 2019, there were 86 million. Now there's 103 million people that are on the move. So it's unprecedented. It's greater than World War II. It's, it's really breaking records now. And, and uh, if you include that with what's going on in terms of the migration of peoples wherever, whether you know people want to get to Europe or they want to get to America or Canada or they want to get uh, out of where they are into another country and try to improve their lives, they're saying now there's 270 million people that are on the move. Right, that are that are trying to get someplace else, and um, when you think about uh, the refugees, you know you have there's different categories. Like some are considered internally displaced peoples, and others are stateless, where they don't even have a country, they don't have a passport from anywhere, and then uh, you know just uh, refugees that are just moving into other countries for safety reasons and things like that. And uh, out of the 103 million, 36 million of those people are children. So a lot of kids coming. One of the families we're working with is five children that are here now. And um, that number is kind of huge, but if you think of the population of California, if we were all under the age of 18, that's the amount of refugee children that are displaced. So then when you think also now about our own southern border, right, we, we, are, we hear about it every day in the news, what's going on. And over the last two years, there's been, you know, roughly five million people that have come across and they've had contact uh, with those and another million people that have come across where they just got in and they're, and they're here, right? And they're not just coming from Mexico. It's like they're coming from Latin America. Uh, they're coming from Europe. They're coming from Asia. They're coming from Africa. Um, we've had contact with people from Africa and also from uh, Latin America, obviously Venezuela and Colombia, 
Uh, we've helped some folks that have come across the border. And then uh, also even from uh, Europe, like um, uh, Russians. So we've had some Russian folks come across the border. They call me up, what can we do? They don't have any papers, they don't have anything. Is there anything that his refuge can do to help these people? And you know, we're just trying to help, right? We're just getting in the middle of it and trying to help them. And so <clears throat> you take that with, uh, um, with the fact that you, know, you have, have them coming across the border uh, and they're just wanting a better life. And basically, they're coming into our communities, right? So, and we all know this, like for over the last several years, even on your own street, right? You know that there are people from many different cultures now that are living in, your, in uh, our communities. And it's like, Lord, what is it? What is it that we're supposed to be about? What should we be doing with this situation? Because it's not something that is, um, is an accident, right? And so <clears throat> as I was thinking about this message and, and uh, the idea of uh, Acts chapter 17, verses 26 and 27, uh, kind of stuck in my mind. And it's the Mars Hill uh, passage where Paul is preaching in Athens, and he's, he's saying, I'm going to tell you guys about the unknown God. And as he does this, it, uh, beginning in verse 22, you know, Paul says that he's standing before the council. He addresses them as follows. Men of Athens, I notice you're very religious in every way, for I, for as I was walking along, I saw how many shrines and one of the altars and the inscriptions of the unknown God. This God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm going to tell you about. And then we get into verse 24. He's the God who made everything. Like in our, where he said in the worship song, I thought that was poignant. Uh, <clears throat> Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples. And human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he, he determined their boundaries. Why? Verse 27. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God, perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. So it's this idea of boundaries, and we see that God is, that God is on the move. God is behind the movement of the people. It's not just political. It's something bigger than that. Something bigger is going on. God is behind all of this, all this that's happening, whether we are for it or against it. He's behind it, and it's global. It's not just America. You know, that's, it's, I mean, we've, we've seen it uh, overseas, how people are trying to move up into Europe and, and all other places as well. God is definitely doing something right now that, that's unprecedented. And I believe that he's doing it so that they, they, will, they will look for him though he's not far from each one of them, right? So as I was thinking about this, I remembered back in, uh, in 1992 when we went to Mongolia, we had some help from, uh, from somebody, an uh, audiovisual person, and it's state-of-the-art, you know, VHS video <laughs> recording for us, and we used that passage of uh, Acts chapter 17 
about this idea of the boundaries. And, and in my mind, I was always just thinking like, yeah, it's out there. It's outer Mongolia to the farthest reaches. We need to go there. We need to tell those people about Jesus. Never, never dawning on me that the boundaries are here. That he's changing the boundaries that are here right, right among us. And that has, um, that has changed my idea or, or my thinking has changed to what are you doing, Lord? And, and what, what should we be about, right? So, so that he'll, he'll draw near, though he is not far from each one of us, this, this idea of like, how are they going to know, right? He's near them. How are they going to know about him? And basically, that's the church, right? That's us. It's our privilege to now come alongside and try to figure out, Lord, how are we going to have an impact here in our own community with our immigrant community and our uh, refugee community? And that's part of rethinking these passages as Tom and I have just been kind of mulling things over the last couple of months, months actually. The fact that this isn't just about people coming to Christ, um, but this is about us. This is about what he wants to do with the church. In Acts 1, 8, it says, um, right before the ascension, Christ is talking to them. And he, he, he kind of gives the very beginning of the Great Commission. And he says, I want you to go to Jerusalem. I want you to wait. Right? I don't want you to do anything. I want you to wait. Um, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water. But in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so just the incredible um, mercy of God to say, I don't want you to do this on your own. This isn't about your strength. This isn't about your ability. It isn't about what you think you can accomplish. This is about what I want to do through my church. He wants us to reflect his glory. And then it goes on to Acts 2, 24 of 47. And it talks about what happened after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, after this great um, passage um, and sermon that Peter did. It says, all believers, well, first, sorry. Um, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. I'm so sorry. Um, it wasn't just that the Holy Spirit was going to come upon us, but he actually gave us what we we're supposed to be about. We're to be his witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, everywhere, in Jerusalem, through Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And as Tom said, we always read that, and we went to outer Mongolia. We stuck on this verse for a long time. Um, but now we look at it and say, oh, I just need to go to my local market. And I'm actually reaching the ends of the earth. So as we look at the believers empowered by the Holy Spirit, we see they're devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to meals, to prayer. And they had this incredible sense of awe that came over them. They saw miraculous signs and wonders. They met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need, not to themselves, but to others. They worshiped together at the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper, shared meals with great joy and generosity. 
all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people around them. And this is what they saw. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. There's a transformation of the church. They weren't to be just about themselves, but they were to be witnesses. They were to display the love and care they had for each other to those around. God used that to draw people unto himself. They had extraordinary sacrifice with extraordinary joy and generosity. They were committed to the Lord. They were committed to his word, to the fellowship, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Um, but it was God who added and transformed them. I want you to close your eyes real quick. And I want to read a passage in Isaiah 16. And I want us um, just to think of the Lord saying this to us and what the church is to be about as far as reflecting his glory. We don't reflect our own glory, right? We don't reflect our own talents, but we reflect him and what he can do. Isaiah 61 through 3. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you, and the nations shall come to your light. I just think that is so incredibly powerful. And I feel like for Tom and I, as we're rethinking our ministry is re rethinking how God is shaping the boundaries around us. We need to rethink how we're demonstrating and how we're reflecting God's glory. It, it seems to me that, you know, it's, uh, like in the Acts passage in uh, Acts 17, that this idea of people drawing near to God and then, and then, uh, you know, us as the church reflecting his glory. So by our involvement with people, with these refugees and these immigrants, that, that we're reflecting him and that they're having a chance to see him in action. But what we've realized is that <clears throat> it is really, really hard. <laughs> like, it's really hard work, right? So, <clears throat> you know, we're missionaries and, and we, we lived overseas and we know what hard work, you know, looks like and and all of that but but this is, this is really, really hard work this is this is really hard work right because you're basically god, god is asking the church to get in the trenches right and then to get basically to get in over your head and as missionaries that's what we did right so so we're always in over our head and what what does that do when when you're in over your head you need god you need to depend on god and there's something that happens about the life uh, the life in our church, when we're, when we're in over our head and we're meeting the needs and we're trying to help people uh, know more about him, trying to help them, you know, get settled in wherever their situation is going to be. But there's something that happens. There's a vibrancy and a life that comes uh, uh, in the church. And I think that's what God is wanting to do right here, right now, with all of the changes that are happening. He's saying, come join him in reaching out to these people, and, and he's going to reveal himself to them, and they're going to get saved. 
when I came back um, from the States, or from the States, from overseas to the States, I was really fearful, actually, because I didn't know, um, spending most of my adult life overseas, seeing God move so intimately and impactfully in my own life, I thought, oh, how is God going to do that here? I'm in my own place. I can go to the grocery store any time I want and, you know, all these things. Um, I, because I realized that when you are over your head and you're unqualified, uh, when you realize that you are not the person you would have picked for this job, right? <laughs> when you know all that and you are aware that completely dependence on God is needed, you get to see those miraculous see signs that they talk about in Acts. Mm -hmm. He is just moving so miraculously and empowering you in just some of the smallest ways and some of the biggest ways. And he's doing that. I shouldn't have been afraid. I should have trusted the Lord in that. He is, oh my gosh, we're so busy. And we're, our life is so full of seeing God move here in Orange County. In Orange County. And I feel like we're in a time where we know that he is kind of taking the risk board. If you played risk and upended it. And all the boundaries aren't the same, and he's done that for a purpose that people would grow for him and know him, but he's also done it, I think, specifically to allow his church globally to see him, to experience him, to be a vessel like none other, and to really experience the acts of acts right now in 2023. So we're going to tell you a few stories. A couple stories. So... <clears throat> Okay, so we got, we got started in this thing, and, and uh, we said, okay, we're going to help refugees. So we need a team, right? We need to put a team together, and we need to uh, see what we can do. So we approached the church, and we asked the church, hey, can we do, can we have a team together, and can we try to help a refugee family? And they're like, yeah, go ahead. You can do that. So we put a team together, and so it's a team of eight people. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, three of the people on the team are refugees themselves, but you know, from Vietnam from back in the day, and we've had some from Cuba, and then from uh, Lebanon. So the team has, been, has developed, and you have a group of people now that have reached out, and now we're helping a refugee family. And just that, we've watched what's happened. With this group of people, there's this sense of Christian charity. It's a, it's a sense within the team, right, of love for one another that's taking place as a result of the service that's going on to uh, reach out to these refugees and to, and to help them. Um, um, it's not always fun. Um, actually, nope. we had to get a townhouse um, for one of our families, and it was a rental, oh. and so we really needed it, to clean it. And it was trashed. And like the, the townhouse was completely So we got trashed. together as a team, which is always fun, and we're delegating. Well, it ended up, at the end of the day, I got the shower. I hate cleaning my own shower or bathroom, let alone somebody that I don't know, right? All of their gunk and, and stuff. And so I'm in the shower. I've sprayed it like with, you know, lime away. I've done, you know, done everything I think would be great that I could just kind of do this. Well, I did this and it wasn't moving. What was on that tile was going to stay there. So I got a scraper. And I started scraping. I went one tile at a time, scraping years of soap scum off of this tile. 
And the whole time, I'm just like, oh, I don't want it. One, I don't want to be there. Um, but I'm like, okay, Lord, I do this for you. I'm doing this for Jesus. I'm taking this soap scum off. And I found that by the time I got the shower done, um, though there was not enjoyment in the process, there was joy in my heart. I was like, man, I did that for Jesus, you know? And so I think that when we get in, at, in service to other people, even if it's something we don't want to do, don't feel gifted of, go for it. Jump in there and experience a joy for the Lord. Well, and the family is the family of seven, mom and dad, and they have five children from Afghanistan and uh, moved them into the, uh, their new place, right? So they saw it. We brought them from the hotels where they were staying. We brought them over to the uh, apartment before we ever renovated it. And we said, you know, this is, this is it. We'll fix it up, but this is what you got. And they're, and they're like, okay, right? And then they went back and then a couple weeks later after the team just came in and we painted and put new floor down and did, you know, fixed up everything. Um, that the family comes back and there's just tears right? They just broke down in tears because of what, the, what we did for them, right? As we're reflecting God's glory. It's all him, right? It's not us. It's God who's at work. And all we're doing is serving. And, and, they're, you know, and they're seeing Jesus in this whole process. Yeah. Sorry, it's his story time. You got me messed up, dude. I messed up. I put, well, I put it on you because you can kind of see it from there. No, we We've been married 43 years. It's okay. My paper. <laughs> hey, you're supposed to be on your side. Okay. Hey. <laughs> okay, so, um, so another, another family that we were able to help. It's right there. Babe, it's right here. Right here, right here, right here. See, it's right here. It's all right there. Okay. So another family that we were able to help was, a, was a, a family of three and the mom is pregnant. And they have a son and the son uh, needed an operation, right? They don't speak English. They don't know what to do, right? So, so, so what happened is the, the team came around the family and said, okay, we're going to help you. And, you know, got them over to chalk and got them taken care of. And then the, the, um, the family was able to go uh, have the operation on the son. But just being a part of that opened all kinds of opportunities, right, to reflect God's glory. We were able to uh, pray with that family. And through the experience, you're, it builds trust, right? Because you're, you're with them in some of their hardest, you just can't imagine, right? You're fleeing already your country. You come here and all of a sudden you realize your child also needs an operation and you don't have a clue of what to do. And yet these Christians are coming around you and they're helping you. And, and, uh, and through this process, we've just seen that happen. I mean. There's been a ton of stuff. I mean, can you list off what, a bunch of stuff? So, so over the last year, year and a half, we have done things like, you know, gotten trucks and moved furniture. We've, we've uh, met with refugees and helped them figure out jobs. We've helped them figure out their schooling and get into their ESL classes. And I spend, now I'm spending about three days a week down in social services. And just helping people navigate the bureaucracy of the social service uh, situation. So these are the kinds of things that we're, we're involved with and it's every day. I never know what is gonna walk through 
what's going to walk through that door, and every day is something different. The thing that's super cool is that, because um, we're wanting to reflect God's glory, right? We're wanting our community to understand that Christians love, right? And, and, and so um, one of our teammates' husband was at a medical clinic. He was sitting next to a, a woman who had a hijab on. And so he realized she was Muslim, and they started talking. And um, she made the comment to him. She asked him, she goes, hey, have you heard about that church on Tustin Avenue that's helping refugees? I have a problem with my car. And he goes, yep, I know that church. And so that's where our office is. And so um, actually right now her car just got finished being fixed. And Two so o'clock today, a, I pick it up. Yeah. What a testimony that in her mind, where's that church? It's not Tom and Gail, right? Where is that church that is displaying his glory? Um, I've had to work alongside uh, this family of five, of five children a lot at the school. Um, they have four of the kids are school age. And since the parents don't have a lot of English, I've become the contact person. So when the teacher needs something or feels like something's happening or problems, um, they've had to call me. Um, two weeks into school, or two, two months into school, actually, I get a phone call about 11.30. So, you know, school is 8.30, right? So it's 11.30. I get a call from the school saying, um, Gail, we need help. We need you to talk to the parents about why um, their child didn't make it to school. So I'm like, are you sure she didn't make it to school? No, she didn't make it to school. So I go, okay, that's weird. So I went ahead, I uh, texted, because we're doing all of this, I gotta say, Google Translate. You do not have to speak a foreign language. It is amazing what love and Google Translate can do. <laughs> um, so um, they contact me back, and the husband actually called me on the phone and said, Gail, she's not there. Uh, she's not at home, we put her on the bus. And I'm like, okay, so right now, my heart is in my stomach. Um, she's five, and it's already been, what, three, three, three hours that we don't know where she is. And so I call the school back, and I say, no, she is not home. She was on that bus. You need to locate her. And meanwhile, I am getting a barrage of text messages from the mom. I'm getting phone calls from the dad. Um, the time it took the secretary to get from her post to the kindergarten room and back felt like a year. It just was awful. But she called back and she goes, oh, sorry. She was, she was there. She just, they missed her at, um, at the roll call or whatever. And I'm like, okay, now that we're adrenaline rushed. And so then I called the dad back. I said, everything's great, everything's fine. Well, I'm getting texts from the mom, and she said, I cannot live without eyes on my child. So I texted back, I'll be right over, we'll go to the school. So usually I pull in and she's in her apartment, I have to get her. This time she is right at the driveway into their apartment complex, she's waiting there. She had her three-year-old with her at the time who's bouncing off the walls generally but he is quiet as a church mouse. 
you know the amount of stress and anxiety that has been felt by this mom. And she's, uh, we get in, you know, she jumps in the car, we're driving, she's just in tears. We get there, we walk into the office, and they're shocked to see me and us. And I said, um, mom needs to see her child. And they're like, well, no, you know, it's like 1140. They're going to go to reason. I said, no, mom needs to see her child right now. And so they went and got her and brought her into the office. And then the two of them walked outside into the entryway, like the gated place where you would, the students pass. They squatted down, which is very common, most places of the world. And they got face to face. And the moms, oh, sorry. She just was weeping. And the daughter was wiping the tears from her mom's eyes. And I'm just looking at them and I'm just, I'm touched by the, another trauma in the life of this family. Um, I'm impressed with the fact that God has allowed me to witness it and to be a part of bringing them back together. Um, I, I looked and I'm like, I'm not going to be able to separate these two. This is it for the day. So I went back into the office and I said, um, she's coming home. This is it. And they're like, again, kind of waffling. I said, I'm really sorry, but I think you need to understand they're from Afghanistan. To say that they've been separated from their child means their child is dead. If a child goes missing in Afghanistan, they don't come back. You know, and at that point, it was the school is like, okay, we get it. This was not just a trauma of the moment, but reliving a lot of traumas up to this point. Um, we've, again, had an opportunity to impact not just the family, but ourselves, right? To remember who we are as human beings and to love Jesus and to love them, um, but also into the school, to be able to be a witness and a testimony to the school. Um, the last story I'm going to tell is, is not even our story, but there is a Brazilian pastor who got called to a small struggling church in Berlin, Germany, of all places. And he was sharing a message, and at the end, through the message, there was a guy running back and forth um, behind, um, just like back in the doors. He's just going back and forth. At the end of the message, he ran up to the pastor and he said, I'm an Afghan, um, told the story of how he got to Germany. He said, a couple of days ago, I had a dream. I had a dream of Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, so I went through the camp because he was in a camp. I went through the camp asking um, people, you know, telling them the story, and someone said, oh, I think that's from the Bible. So he found a church and talked to this pastor. Within a few weeks, he accepted Christ, was baptized, uh, and now at that church, there's like 55 different nationalities within that church. I think that's what God wants to do uh, within our our churches. He wants to expand it. He wants us to reflect his glory by rethinking who we are, right? Being open to see miraculous signs and wonders. And the job of them coming to Christ is his, 
But boy, we get to be witnesses to it. So um, I pray that that would... Um, I'm yep. so excited I could preach forever. Sorry. <laughs> That's a... And if you're interested, the, the All for Aid is the uh, allforaid.org is the organization. We partner with them, taking the short-term teams to um, Lesbos, Greece, and Cyprus, Larnaca, Cyprus. So anyways, I'll just throw that out there. The other thing that I wanted to, yeah, in a minute. Just, a, just give me a minute. Okay. Okay, the other thing I wanted to talk Pastor about was- Pastor Tim is looking at okay. us. Immigrant- Immigrant hope is another, is another aspect of ministry that I just want to throw out there that we're doing. So immigrant hope is something we do within the free church. So within this association of churches, we have, are in the process of starting uh, immigrant hope, which offers the low cost or no cost services for immigration, right? So a lot of people all over this area need help with their immigration. And, they're not, and you know, uh, in terms of uh, many of them, you know, they don't have the financial resources to be able to just go to a lawyer. And often the, the lawyers take advantage of them, you know, if they're coming across and they're undocumented. And, and we, did a, um, we did a workshop at uh, Calvary a few weeks back and um, we were able to help people figure out their immigration situation. So that's gonna be coming, and it's something that we really need to get involved in. When you think about all of the different immigrants that are here and living among us, and um, are part of our families and, and all of that, it's like the church needs to be part of that. We need to be involved in helping people uh, figure out their, um, their immigration uh, process. Just, just real briefly, we had a, uh, a gal come, she had deportation order already on her. Her daughter let her DACA expire, and they're trying to figure all that stuff out. And it's the church, right? The church is what came in and said, okay, what can we do to help? How can we help you process this? What are the things that need to happen? And that's, the, that's something that we're also doing in terms of helping our immigrant community. So in closing, I just want to read this uh, from Billy Graham. Billy Graham. Yeah. So the highest form of worship is the worship of unselfish Christian service. The greatest form of praise is the sound of consecrated feet seeking out the lost and the helpless. As we, you know, as we rethink this whole thing about boundaries and why God is shaking everything up and why he's bringing people into our midst so that they can look for him and so that we can be a part of reflecting his glory. We're the ones that get to bring that nearness, that help, help to bring the nearness so that they might find him. And I just really want to challenge us to, 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 to you know, at least think about that. And what, what, are, what, what should we do? What, what part should we play? Because you know, there are people right here, uh, probably within a hundred yards of the church that, <laughs> that could need help, you know, in terms of, their, of what's going on. So... Let me pray. Father, we want to just thank you, uh, God, for your, just for the shaking up of everything, Lord, and the boundaries. And we know that you're doing that to bring a life into your church. Lord, we know that you're, you're wanting us to get involved and to do something to help, to come alongside people who are in need. Father, we thank you so much for Diamond Bar and for their history of all the things that they've done 
to bring your gospel to others, Lord. We just pray for them that they would continue in this vein and, and seek your face as to what you would have them to do. Lord, again, we just uh, commit ourselves like new to help us to reflect your glory wherever we are, Lord, at work or with school, whatever we're doing, Lord, let us reflect your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.